The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. From home repair to remodeling, this is Making Your Home Great. Making Your Home Great on WPTF, we are here with Holly Bowers from RoofWorks. How are you, Holly? I'm good. How are you? Good. Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. Hello. Happy weekend. Happy weekend. And we've got a special guest, Rich Bechtold of Certainteed. How are you, Rich? I'm doing terrific. How about good, yourself? Good. You moved next to that microphone and just talked to us on the show today. Want me to get nice and close? Certainteed is <laughs> really, it's a local brand. Often we've, we talk to people whose manufacturing is, you know, far away. Where's your Where's your outlet from? Actually, we are a local brand. Uh, we have a manufacturing facility in Oxford, North Carolina. Right. It's been there since 1978, and uh, we've been serving the North Carolina market all the way down through the Southeast South Atlantic regions from that plant for all that time. And in fact, we make certain luxury products and specialty products that we service throughout the entire country and export. Oh, you do. Okay, so so is is it primarily only roofing products though? It is, but Certainteed is actually a building products company. We started yeah. in roofing in 1904, right. but uh, we make a variety of building products, including insulation like Brock uses. Right. We also make gypsum. We have a drywall plant right up in Roxboro, North Carolina. We have oh, vinyl yeah. siding. We have a plant in Claremont, North Carolina. So we're pretty pretty heavily present here in the state. Wow. All right. So your um, your job itself is to what? Be the representative for Certainteed? You're not up on roofs. Well, uh, I do get on roofs. You do? Uh, I okay. was just on a roof on Friday, so it's it's not uncommon for me to get on a roof. I am a territory manager, so that means I have the responsibility for certain geographical areas that relate to certain teed. Right. I cover uh, the eastern part of the state, basically from Mebane to the, to the coast, state line to state line, with the exception of the Outer Banks. I don't go up into... The Outer Banks, that's handled by our Tidewater, Virginia Beach, Richmond representative. Yeah. Talk to me about why you were on a roof Friday. What would – you're, you know, up there. You you shouldn't be climbing on roofs. <laughs> what was it? What was the circumstance? Well, we have to follow all the sa- safety protocols to get on a roof, first of all, in case yes. uh, we have any listeners that might uh, want to know why I was on a roof. But um, – so I'm responsible for a lot of things as a territory manager. One of the things I am responsible for is any short-term claims. That means if you have a concern that's related to the material, yeah. you think there might be a defect of some kind, and short-term I mean the first 12 months after application, right. then I need to go out and investigate that claim. And so that's why I was on a roof. I was meeting with a contractor to take a look at a color variation on a roof. Mm. Holly and Holly and I have talked a lot about the fact that you know Dave Alexander wants warranties. Okay, I want a warranty. How how generous is the warranty on a new roof? Generous is an interesting question. Uh, so a warranty, uh, I like to tell people, is not a guarantee. It's it's there to protect the consumer. Yeah. But in some ways, it's there to protect the manufacturer as well. But uh, the key is um, selecting a quality product. Mm-hmm. And selecting a quality contractor, and that's what's going to ensure the end user gets the roof that they that they need. That's going to last them the long haul. Now, um, as far as what a warranty typically looks like in today's asphalt shingle market, yeah. which is what what I deal in primarily, 
is most of them have a limited lifetime warranty, and the key word to that is limited. Uh, so you got to understand what those limited limitations look like. Uh, as it relates to CertainTeed, we have what we call a sure start portion of that warranty, and that's the initial years. Yeah. So we give you more coverage in that sure start period. And for most products, that's going to be a 10-year sure start. Yeah. And so for the first 10 years, we're going to bring in labor with that. So if you have some sort of an issue with the product, we're going to cover the labor right. and the product itself. Right. But then you move into what we call a material-only warranty, and then it prorates and loses value over time. In year 40, you can recoup 20% of your certainty material costs for as long as you may live. Yeah. That's the limitations. Other limitations are going to be wind. There's a little bit of a different duration on that. There's going to be limitations as it relates to algae protection. Yeah. And so on. And also there's limitations as it relates to transferability and so on. Well, this is going to be awkward. Holly, uh, why do you guys go with certainty so often? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons, but um, most importantly, they're local. I don't see why it doesn't even make sense not to support a local company that's right. supporting into our economy. But just working with Rich for as long as we've been working with, I mean, but by far they've been the best company to work with. If there is a problem, he's coming right out and taking care of it. And that's, right. like he said, warranties are only as good as the companies that stand behind them. We have talked about the fact that they've got to be installed correctly. And that's the other big thing, too. CertainTeed has different things that they go by as far as choosing contractors to be select shingle masters. Mm -hmm. We're not buying into the program. CertainTeed is hand-selecting those contractors to make sure that they can withstand the installation methods and doing everything per their requirements. Yeah. Now that's that's an interesting point that she made. They're not buying in. They're not going to CertainTeed and saying, "Can we pay you an amount of money so we can become a registered CertainTeed installer?" Yeah. They were selected. Okay, that it being a registered CertainTeed installer is a lot more difficult than than some of these other shingle manufacturers out there. Right. And we've talked about CertainTeed for few years now on the show and it's it's just a good product right. okay when jeff hastings comes on the show we talk about uh the hilti tools and we talk about yep. the yep. the quality of of what they sell certainty is in that area in the roofing shingle market at least in my opinion with my experience they last longer they're heavier duty right when it comes to the price they're actually really closely priced to all of their competition so there's no reason not to go with a product like CertainTeed. And you talked about the fact that CertainTeed products are heavier, and that's a benefit. Yeah. I, well, I had to learn that for myself. When I did roofing back in Texas, we yeah. were a GAF Master Elite roofer. Yeah. And a CertainTeed rep approached us and started talking to us about their materials, and he's the one that, that dropped that little buzz in my ear, and I started weighing bundles of shingles, and it turns out that CertainTeed had more weight when, you know, when it comes to roofing material, the heavier, the better, the heavier, the stronger, the heavier, the more durable. Is he, is he telling it right, right, Rich? Yes, he is. So going back to the warranty component, we can talk about warranties um, and what's protected and what's not protected. Yeah. But what you have to really consider as a consumer, in my, in my view, is the, the, the life cycle. How long is the shingle going to last? What kind of performance am I going to get out of that? Right. And a heavier shingle is going to give you more life cycle. It's going to perform better over the long haul. And depending on what type of product it is and what weight level it is, it's also going to provide better 
protection for for wind uplift and things of that nature. Right. But the asphalt in its in and of itself is what keeps the water out of the house. Yeah. The mat holds the asphalt together. You got top coat, bottom coat, and then you have the granules that protect the asphalt. But the asphalt is a key component as it relates to watershed and making sure that your home has a roof that's going to give you a a solid life cycle so that you're not replacing your roof in 10 years or 15 years and so on. It's funny because, you know, two words can mean the same thing and you never associate them. Asphalt, is it generally the same product that's going on our highways? (laughs) Is it actually asphalt? That's an excellent question. And in some ways, yes. So the paving asphalt is not exactly the same as, as what roofing asphalt is. I mean, right. it all starts the same as asphalt and the raw flux. We bring it into the facility. We heat it up. Yeah. We have to add something to it to give it body because an asphalt in and of itself is going to be soft. And when it gets very, very hot outside, it's going to be, it's going to, oh, yeah. it's yeah. going to run. I right. mean, so you got to give it body. So what roofing manufacturers use to give it body is they add dominatic limestone filler. We get our limestone just across the state line in Virginia, so we try to locally source our raw materials. So we add filler to it. You don't want to put too much filler in there. Too much filler creates a brittle shingle that's going to not perform over the long haul. It's going to crack and so on and so forth. Yeah. But you don't want to put too little in there because then you're going to get scarring in in the application process, especially in high heat in the summertime. So you want to have the right balance of filler versus asphalt. And a softer shingle is going to last longer, so certain T leans on the softer side, but we stay in that important window as far as how much filler to asphalt ratio we're going to have. Is it key to know what's going underneath the shingle, or is it primarily, you know, 90% the shingle that's protecting you? Actually, it's 90% the shingle, but that can change depending on slope variation. So anytime you get below a 212 slope, okay. your underlayment environment is going to change. You can't install shingles on a, uh, a low slope in a steep slope environment. Right. 212 down, or I'm sorry, 212 up to 412. I'm sorry, did I say 212? 212 is where you, anything below 212, you don't install shingles. Right. From 212 up to 412, it's considered a low slope environment on a steep slope scenario yeah so what you have to do is you have to change your underlayment uh, application i can still use shingles but i need better underlayment is that what you're trying to tell me you have some options yeah so if you're using a one option would be to use an ice and water shield over the entire roof deck okay that's one option and ice and water shield is going to be um self-sealing around the nails so when a nail goes through the shingle and through the ice and water it seals around the nails so it's not water it's considered a waterproof underlayment uh, another option would be to install um, your synthetic, uh, like our roof runner or diamond deck, which is a watershed underlayment, but you're going to run it at 20-inch overlay. So you're basically half lap in the underlayment for the most part. So you're building up your underlayment. Okay. And I'm going to turn, turn to Holly on this. We're very technical. Do your folks understand this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, most of the time we usually do ice and water shield just because that really is – we feel like the best level of protection, but yeah. like Rich is saying, we run into a lot of stuff. We just looked at one yesterday that we've got shingles on a one twelve pitch. So this is the stuff that, if you're not being educated as a homeowner, you just don't even know that there's going to be serious issues down the road. 
you know, it's it's every industry. Okay, we, uh, I can right now go buy a, a brand new Chevrolet crate motor. Yes, that doesn't mean I'm going to know how to install it properly. I know that. Okay, Craig, the flooring guy has so many different types of flooring materials, but yep. you can void the warranty if it's not installed properly. Mm-hmm. Certainty is the exact same. If you want their warranties that go with their products, certain underlayments have to be used, certain materials need to be used on the hips and valleys in most cases. Drip edge, well, drip edge, I recommend drip edge, but I don't think that's going to have anything to do with the shingle. There's just, there's steps that have to be taken to ensure that you're getting the proper warranty, which I think is what he is trying to say is, look, there's a lot of wrong ways to do it. There's only one right way. Yeah. And if you want the warranty to back up this type of material, it needs to be done the right way by someone who has been trained to do it that way. And that's why we always say you got to read the fine print in those warranty books because that matters the most. Yes, if, it does. If we don't put this roof on right and Rich comes out because there's an issue or a defect and he yeah. sees that the workmanship was not done correctly, that, that warranty is void. But it's more specific that, let's put it this way, some knucklehead puts a roof on. I'm not talking about roof works somebody else puts a roof on and they don't do it right rich is going to be up on that roof and he's going to say yeah we don't we don't back this because they didn't install it right is that how it works yes so typically if you have an application issue it's going to rear its head early on in the life cycle and as i said earlier i'm responsible for all short-term claims so typically if it if there's a claim that's that's uh filed against certainty in the first 12 months after application, I will be at that house. I will be on that roof. Right. And and if if the installer didn't do it correctly, you're going to have to shake your head and say, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, consumer. You didn't, you know, you didn't have a quality contractor. Does that make sense? So as far as manufacturing defects go, yeah. um, most – we, it's less than a half of a percent of everything we produce, and we I'm produce sure a lot is. of roofing. I'm so sure it is. Many roofs that I look at, it, it's unrelated to the actual product manufacturing, and right. that's what the base warranty is. There's more to warranties than that, uh, right. and we may get into that as we go on in the show. But as far as manufacturing defects, and I came out to that job site, and there was an issue with the application. Right. And that was the reason the claim was filed. That say, hey, this isn't, this doesn't look right. And it was, it was, it was vertically racked versus course per our coursing method or, or, or something along those lines. Yes, we would not cover that. That okay. would be the responsible of the roofing contractor. Mm-hmm. We're we're, we're going to get in the, into more on roofing. If you've got a question, our number is 919-860-9783. Holly Bowers of RoofWorks. Rich Bechtold of Certainty and Brock Hammonds of Triangle Radiant Barrier on making your home great. Making your home great. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. We are on the air with making your home great. Holly Bowers of RoofWorks. Rich Bechtold of Certainty and Brock Hammonds of Triangle Radiant Barrier. We're talking, we were talking about Warranties, and I'm trying to guide Rich to the point that we really have to have a quality installer. Otherwise, other things will bad things might happen. Absolutely, There's because no- don't you have mostly when when there is a rare instance where you have to get up on a roof, 
it's mostly the the installation user of the error roof. user yeah. error just like it is with flooring and everything else yes i obviously things that are going to cause somebody to file a claim would be if they have water intrusion in the house if they yeah. have a leak and, and and i would say that 99.9 percent of leaks are due to some sort of a flashing detail or some sort of an application issue they didn't install it correctly they weren't a certified master. What is the the phrase? Oh, again? you almost you almost said a bad word. You said master. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Select shingle master. It's select shingle, shingle master. master. Yes. Select shingle. I've always wanted to be something like that. It's yeah. what a great title. But you got to say. But they it. weren't a select shingle master, so they didn't do it correctly, right? I mean, well, when you when you when you hire a company that's that's gone through the process that was outlined earlier in, yeah. in the show, you're going to be you're going to be assured of the proper installation. Right. I think it would be kind of inappropriate to say that if you had no credentials whatsoever, you're going to be an awful applicator. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that would be true, but more times than not, roofs are misapplied. Right. I mean, people think that a roof is simple. They it's, honestly do. They do, and it's not. It's like pl painting. Every felon says, oh, yeah, I can paint a room. Well, it has to be waterproof. Look, I mean, I do yeah. I do irrigation and drainage under houses. You know, part of the our insulation company is, is dealing with water intrusion. Right. And making something waterproof is not easy. Right. It's not an easy thing. Now, if we're staying on warranties... I do a lot of different types of insulation, and constantly we're having, and I already know the answer to this, but I, I, I would love to hear your feedback on it. Um, we get customers all the time that'll reach out and say, hey, we've got a roof that's a couple of years old, and they want to bring us out to do insulation in their attic. Now, any insulation we put on the floor of the attic is not going to impede the, the attic itself or the, the roofing system, mm -hmm. but we also insulate rafters. Uh, we do radiant barrier applications and spray foam applications. So for the listeners that are out there, if they are if they have a roof that is relatively new and they're wanting to go up and insulate that roof, what options are available that will not void a warranty? Well, do you know any of the stipulations that are involved with that? In, all, in almost all applications that you would do with a steep slope asphalt roof, you're going to want to have a balanced ventilated ventilation system. And ideally, and, and it's very difficult because every house is different, ideally you want to have 50% at the top and 50% at the bottom, mm -hmm. intake to exhaust. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're out of balance, you're going to want to have more intake than exhaust. You're not going to want to be top-heavy, and you certainly are not going to want to mix exhaust vents. I see uh, a lot of that in the field, and I get that question probably the most as it relates to ventilation. Yeah. If you're, you go out to a house and they have a power fan, a ridge vent, and a static vent, those are all exhaust vents you need to decide how you want to exhaust the roof and consult your contractor like RoofWorks with that because they're going to understand based on the length of your ridge line and so on and so forth what the best options are for you and what you need to do to make it right. Now going back to your question as far as radiant barriers go, in that scenario you're still going to want to have a balanced ventilated system. Absolutely. But when you move off of that and you go to a spray foam insulation and typically when you're doing roof deck attachment with that product, you're going to be using an open cell. Correct. correct. Yes. So with that system, you would not ventilate at all. That's the one exception where certain teeth says don't ventilate because then you're going to be introducing water vapor into the system 
and you could potentially create problems with uh, substrate rot and things like that. As long as the insulation system is installed correctly and there's no air leaks, then you don't want to ventilate at all. You want to make sure that you uh, stay away from ventilating a roof that has spray foam insulation. Perfect answer. And if we, if you, so if we do hire somebody who, you know, interested in spray foaming my attic, we're going to what? Close up the the ventilation? If we're do, if we're doing it, yes, we would yeah. be sealing your ridge vent and sealing up your soffit ventilation, really? which would be your fresh air intake. Uh, yeah, that's no ventilation at all, uh, which is another one of the reasons it's an open cell foam and not a closed cell because it's permeable. Okay, you don't want to put a closed cell in an attic, especially in North Carolina, or you could develop moisture issues down the road. Right. So uh, he was right on point with all of those. I'm glad that we brought that up because I wanted our listeners to know that ventilation, we talk about ventilation on this show all the time. Right. Ridge vent is my favorite outtake. As long Uh as you have an adequate ridge line, that's the way to go. If you have a hip roof, go with a solar vent or a powered vent of some kind. Yes. But it's not just the outtake ventilation to address his point. Intake ventilation is just as important. And so many of these homes in this area don't have soffit vents. The roof was designed where there's not an overhang for a gutter. Okay. So there's a lot of these roofs that don't have soffit vents. All they have is a ridge vent and maybe two gable vents. Those yeah. are always the hottest attics that we get into. Yeah. So ventilation is key. That's step one. Then everything else. Rich, why is ventilation so important to a roof and the, and the roof quality? This may surprise some, but... Effectively, what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep the underside of that roof deck dry. Yeah. So when you have proper balance and proper ventilation, you're getting intake at the lowest point and exhaust exhaust at the highest point. So as that air moves up through your attic space, you're basically keeping the underside of that deck dry. If I've been into an improperly ventilated attic space, there's not. It's in many occasions you'll have moisture buildup, and usually it's down near the eave area, especially when you don't have the intake properly. Yeah. Intake in there properly. And what happens is over time you get moisture buildup. It, it, it causes the insulation to get damp and wet, and, and it ruins your R value. But, more, but even worse, you can end up developing mold in those areas. So it's the underside of your roof being dry is the primary reason we ventilate. Now, you also end up um, getting some benefit to the HVAC aspect of things. You're, you're going to have a, I want to I say, a less hot attic. It's right. not going to be a cooler attic. But there are other benefits, but primarily you want to keep the inside of that deck dry. And, and I'm going to talk more about that, and I, I know we are, with Holly Bowers from RoofWorks. Rich Bechtold of Certainty, he's rich on roofs, and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier run, run Making Your Home Great. 919-860-9783. Hey, next week. I guess it's, you know, yeah, by tomorrow we'll call it this week. We're going to be on Friday from 1 until 3 on WPTF. Special time, special day this coming week on WPTF. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Let me try to explain what's coming up. I'm... I was trying to ad-lib a promotional announcement. The next Making Your Home Great is going to be on the next Friday that you experience. It's going to be next week, Friday, from 1 till 3. They've never let me on during the week. Never? 
Never. I've never <laughs> been in this building during the week. I might have done a newscast during the week, but other than that, now, nothing. Now, where will the show be? We're going to be at the home show. It's at the uh, uh, State Fairgrounds. It is the Southern Ideal Home Show. Yes. I will be there. Um, I think we've got Joel Worsham from... from uh, from uh, comfort uh, joel worsham from comfort first services comfort first heating and air but of course we're talking about generators uh and it's going to be a good show at uh, today's show i hope is good holly bowers from roofworks rich bechtold of certainty and brock emmons of triangle radiant barrier holly we haven't talked to you at all we've left you alone that's right holly's here it's good to get rich's insight so So, i'm okay with that so you're learning from him or you already knew it no i know how great he is so i just wanted to bring him in so that he could you know educate everybody on the things that i talk about all the time and rich demonstrated for me that we talked about underlayment and this is where i assume this is what i've learned from you holly that the big mistake often is there, the underlayment. You know, the fellow purchases some shingles and he's going to put it on the roof. Okay, picks out some quality, but he doesn't put the underlayment either properly or the right stuff. Uh, I think, I mean, underlayment, the underlayment system is much more important when you're looking at slate, tile, cedar, those kind of products, but on um, certainty, I think what we've talked about is especially when you see a home that, you know, maybe new construction where you've yeah. got the felt that's kind of flapping and what happens is the roof deck is exposed. That's where you have problems because sometimes the roof deck gets moisture and then it ends up warping over a period of time. Right. But as Rich talked about, the shingle itself is really the majority part of that waterproof system, right. but the underlayment is important just because the reason... We believe it's most important is if you do get that windstorm or a tree branch hits your roof and knocks some of those shingles off, that's yeah. going to protect your roof deck from getting damaged. Right, right. There's are the am I correct, Rich, that there are two types that Certainty produces underlayment, or do they have many part, types? Essentially, at the base level, two types. There's what we call a waterproof underlayment, and that's yeah. going to be an ice and water shield that seals around your nails. Yeah. Uh, hence, it's waterproof. Yeah. Although it cannot be a roof system in and of itself. You've got to have shingles attached over top of it. Sure. Or metal. I mean, it's not just shingles. But the other type would be what we call water-resistant underlayment. That would be something like what would be our roof runner or our diamond deck. Yeah. So it's a synthetic underlayment. When you put a nail into it, you actually have put a hole into it, much like if you put a nail in a tarp, there would be a hole in the tarp. Sure. So it's water It's water resistant, not waterproof. Right. We it's all know own. that from wristwatches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get my watch wet, but it's water resistant. Yeah. And that's yeah. not exactly. Get your watch the same. splashed, maybe. <laughs> I can get my watch splashed. So there are multiple applications for these. Where does the waterproof? product go the waterproof underlayment which would be our winter guard if we wanted to give it a little yeah little, you know oh, little oh, plug the on the winter guard what do you yeah. think yeah there you go all right so th- that would be applied in the most vulnerable areas of your roof for example your valley right anywhere you may have water intrusion first if it should happen uh, a penetration and the penetration could be anything it could be a pipe boot it could be a skylight yeah. it could be a dormer in and of itself you're going to want to run ice and water shield up against the sidewall of the dormer and the, 
at base wall the dorm where the apron flashing goes. Right. Um, if you're on a low slope roof in a steep slope environment, like I talked about earlier, if it's below a 412, but at a minimum slope of 212, you may install ice and water shield over the entire roof deck as your underlayment there. Yes. If you do do that, I always recommend, and certain TED recommends in the shingle applicator's manual, to put the synthetic over top of it to create a break sheet because that ice and water shield will fuse to the shingles themselves as they get hot yeah. in the summer heat. All right. So so talk to me about the roofs, the shingles themselves. We've, we've gone far beyond the three-tab shingle. We can get a much more beautiful roof with certainty. How many options do I have? <laughs> so shingles are designed to look like one of two things, uh, slate or wood. Even, okay. the, even the traditional laminate shingle you see today, which is our landmark, uh, there are other uh, varieties, but ours is called Landmark. Um, that's designed to look like wood. Mm -hmm. uh, you may argue maybe it doesn't look like wood, but that's what the de original design was for. Sure. And so um, we have products in that category starting at the base level Landmark. Our preferred choice would be the Landmark Pro where you're going to get a max def blend drop that's going to give you more pop. It's gonna, okay, it's I gonna didn't catch that. Max def blend drop. Yes. Did I say it right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You and what is it. that? So uh, sh we put the the granules on the asphalt to protect the asphalt from UV. Yes. The asphalt's there to keep the water out of the house. The fiberglass mat's there to keep the shingle together. It's yeah. basically the backbone of the shingle. Yeah. So what we do with the granules is we drop bl blends onto the sheet to give it an aesthetic appeal. We want your shingles to look nice on the roof. Yeah. So what we do is we have a traditional CERTA blend that we use for our base Landmark product. And then when you move up to the Landmark Pro, we'll do what we call a max def drop or a maximum definition drop where we actually drop the same color-coded granules that we would use at the base level in a different way to give it more pop, okay. more color range. It's yeah. less monochromatic, so to speak. And so I, it's and more aesthetically that. pleasing. I want that. You do. You do. Uh, and the Landmark Pro also is Class three impact resistant, so it's going to give you better performance in the event of a, a hailstorm. We had some pretty good storms not not so long ago. In fact, we had one roll through today that didn't seem to produce a lot of wind but a lot of rain. Um, t tell me, please, about, about the impact resistance and the the possibility that shingles will lift up. Well, as far as uh, shingles lifting up, uh, you'll see that in in wind events. Yeah, not so much hail events. Sure. Um, you also may see that occur in in later on in the life cycle of a shingle. As shingles get older and they use their pliability, they can start to lift in the in the latter years at the end sure. of the life cycle. Um, so if you have a shingle that's not properly installed, and, and as far and, and by the way, when it comes to wind, the most vulnerable areas of the roof are going to be the perimeter. So it's very important that you install the starter, which has a sealant on it and creates a double sealant bond because the shingles that apply over top have a sealant bond as well. Yes. And you run that starter also up the rake edge of the roof if you have a rake edge. It's not a hip roof. Um, that way you're protecting that perimeter from wind uplift. And then you want to use the appropriate accessory at the hips and ridges to ensure that you're getting a, a, a wind-proven system, so to speak. Okay. Um, so let's let's kick it over to Holly and say, Holly, do you get phone calls 
all the time when the uh, weather gets bad? We do, especially <laughs> for wind. I mean, with wind, we always get shingles that blow off, and most of the time it's just because they were high-nailed, and, you know, every windstorm, they're just going to keep having more and more shingles. That's I don't know what high-nailed is. It means that if, you know, they put too much pressure on the nail gun or yeah. they nailed it in the wrong place, they were just, the shingles itself were nailed improperly, right. which makes them a lot more vulnerable to windstorms. I'm guessing, Holly, that you're not getting a lot of phone calls from people whose roofs you guys installed, that you're actually getting them from other people. No, I mean, it's, I mean, if we, you know, we're not perfect either. If we make a mistake, we're going to go out there and make it right. But our repair and maintenance department, yes, that's pretty much we're getting calls from people that we haven't worked on their roof yet or, yep. you know, they're continuing customers, but we're always going to go out there and take a look at it and help them out. Regardless of who put the roof down, you guys are willing to come out for minor repairs, and why is that? We will. I mean, the, we have, you know, thorough conversations because we don't want to avoid anybody else's warranty, so we have to make sure that uh. they know to, you know, reach out to that contractor that put the roof on, and if, yeah. you know, they don't hear anything back, then we'll certainly help them, but we always do advise them to call them first right. just to make sure to see if they'll come make good with it, and, you know, we're, we're there to help them if if they can't get any returns. So costs. what is the first phone call we should place? Is it to the insurance company or is it to the roofer? So I think that different circumstances. If we get a hailstorm or a windstorm and you see major issues up there on the roof, I'd go ahead and call your insurance company because most likely it's probably going to be a claim and they're going to advise you on what to do best. If it's just a, a simple leak coming in from maybe a pipe boot penetration, then you can certainly give us a call. But it's always good to talk to your insurance because finding out what your deductibles are, if you have a repair that's $4,000, your deductible is 500 yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's why having that conversation with your private insurance company, it's always the best way to go. Hail is not, it's not frequent, but when it happens, I'll tell you what, everybody in the neighborhood gets a new roof. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if it's not everybody, it's that one fellow who didn't get the roof. And he is steamed because his insurance company said, yeah, I'm sorry, you didn't suffer any damage. There's not enough damage. And, and, and that seems irresponsible to me. Well, it depends on the roof. Honestly, I've, yeah. I've been into neighborhoods, and every roof in the neighborhood was a three-tab, and they got hit by a major hailstorm, so right. everyone in the roof got replaced. And then there's one guy in the back that had a Class 5 shingle, right, or three or four, Which however high what, it goes. Is that really great? Yeah, it, it's up the line. Yeah. You know, and, and no, those typically those shingles can get through a couple of hailstorms before showing major damage. That's why they're more expensive to have put on. So. Right. It depends on the size of the storm. Depends on the shingle that you have. It depends on your insurance company. Yes, honestly. it does. It yes. does, and, so, that, and that's the most important thing. Don't don't let anybody on your roof until you talk to your insurance. Correct. Because that's where that's where the fraud comes in, and people are going up there and maliciously causing damage. So just don't. If if they knock on the door or they come and say, "Hey, you've got some issues." Call your, call your insurance company. Don't give them your insurance information because oh, that's no. like giving somebody your bank account number. Yeah. You deal directly with your providers and let them give you the best advice and keep it that way. Don't give anybody your personal information out. You've told me something. Now, I believe everything you tell me, but still you tell me things that are unbelievable. <laughs> Here's the unbelievable thing, that somebody will come to my house and say, man, you got roof damage. We had hail throughout the 
whole neighborhood look at all the signs in the yard uh i was wondering if i could just take a look at your roof they will go up and damage your roof yeah, we've seen it. I mean, like I said, we it, it's not we get calls all the time, and homeowners they just don't know what to do. They they're getting haggled. They're have, yeah. people are coming to their house, you know, knocking on the door every single day consistently for three to four weeks, and they're just frustrated and they don't know who to believe. And that's why we advocate about this on the radio, just to let you know that just don't trust everyone because it's right. not always what it seems. You put up a no soliciting sign. That doesn't deter people. I want to put up a sign that says, no soliciting, my roof is fine, the siding is good, and I found Jesus. <laughs> I, just, I just want, you know, I want to cover everything that I can to keep people from knocking on the door. Yeah, well, and uh, if you do have damage, just call a good company. Call a local company. You're going to get somebody out there that's honest, and they're going to tell you the truth. And that's the biggest thing. Don't If you don't know who these people are... Don't open the door. Rich, can you... T- I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to make a joke. I actually have an elderly customer that has a roofing sign from a roofing company that went out of business years ago. It's just one he picked up out of somebody's yard. Yes. And every time... And this is a guy that lives back in Texas, and they get hit by hail a lot in yeah. Texas. So every time that happens, he goes in his yard and he just sticks a roofing sign out in his grass. No one knocks on his door. <laughs> they think he's already spoken for. Oh, man. Right. So there's all these little tricks out there. But yeah, door knockers, you want to avoid the door knockers, go after the local company and buy the local product. Yeah. Certainty has been here for how long? 1904, 78 in North Carolina, 1978 North Carolina. Yeah, wow. that's, that's homegrown as far as I'm concerned. Rich, could you tell when somebody has gone up to the roof with a ball peen hammer <laughs> and uh, because i would think that or a penny that would be, or, or a dime a penny or a yeah. dime uh, can you tell when it when fraud occurs not always but oh. in many cases you can yes but it's not it's not always discernible i mean you have a variety of adjust typically it's an adjuster that's going to be looking at these things yeah not me right I, I I have had that problem, not where somebody maliciously did it, but where everybody in the neighborhood is it seems is getting a new roof and I can get one. They got they all had independent adjusters more than <laughs> more than likely. You look, the adjuster works for the insurance company, yeah, or they're independent. Okay. okay, independent means the insurance company pays them to go out and do these claims for them. Yeah, independent roofers buy roofs a lot. They're a little statistically speaking. They do. If it's yeah, if it's a independent, it's probably going to close. Well, that's the but, question that you want to ask before you get insurance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is what kind of adjuster are you sending out? But that look, there's some really great insurance companies, and yes. there's some not so great insurance companies, and that plays a role. So just make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Make sure you have all of your questions answered before you let somebody up on your roof right. and you want to make sure that you can trust the people that are up there. Yeah, because you know what? It's not whether it's an insurance claim or not. This roof should be built to last you 30 years at least right. until you get the next roof replaced. So if you're going to make the investment, whether insurance pays for it or not, make sure that you get a good company that's going to put it on right because all said and done, you're, you're the one that's going to be stuck with the problems on the back end. Holly Bowers of RoofWorks is here. Rich Bechtold of Certainteed, and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. This is Making Your Home Great on WPTF.
FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Call soon because uh, we're going to switch gears in a little bit. Holly Bowers from RoofWorks is here. Rich Bechtold of Certainty and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. We got Rich on roofs in the hot seat talking <laughs> about stuff. We talked about fraud and people going up and hammering a roof. Can you really tell? In many cases, you can, yeah, um, because it's it's not hail. It's not hail. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a hammer. It's it's something else. A, a coin, uh, right? As Brock had alluded to, that was used to uh, create a look of damage. But that's old um, school. That's an old school tactic. Yeah. But but there there's many instances where you can't, and right. so it's really going to come down to the adjuster and his evaluation unless you actually physically see somebody do something nefarious. Right. Yep. Right. And, and that's all up to the insurance adjuster to, to find that out. To uh, make that it, determination, right, yes. Right. And, and these things happen, Dave, but I, I don't want to say that this is like the industry of, of insurance specialists going no. out there and damaging roofs, but it is out there and it does happen. And as Holly said, it's very important to make sure that you're doing your due diligence when it comes to your a selection of a roofing contractor. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, there's two ways to get a roof. Insurance pays for it, you pay out of pocket. Yeah. In most cases, uh, depending on the company you talk with, one is easier than the other. As far as I'm concerned, paying out of your pocket is infinitely easier than dealing with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. Certain companies out there have become really, really talented at going after supplements and turning a $9,000 roof into a $20,000 roof or a oh, $15,000 yeah. roof. Yeah. Well, these companies want, and I'm not going to mention any name. I dealt with several of them back in Texas. Right. But they are out there. They go up to your roof. They don't find any weather damage, mm-hmm. so they cause it in the hopes that they can explain to the homeowner that you have weather damage up there, you want to reach out to your insurance company and get this claim started. Well, I have personally witnessed insurance companies come out, look at the roof and say, that is mechanical damage. That is not, we are not going to cover that. Right. And seeing that poor homeowner now stressed out trying to figure out what to do, and the guy that caused it knocked on their door and then left after he was done. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I think that's why it's gotten so ferocious is because... You, if we came out and we submitted a bid through insurance, right? It's going to be more than double what it would be if you caught us just to do your basic renovation. There's a lot. People are making a lot of money in this industry doing that. Yep. And that's why we're such advocates against it because we know the prices that are being paid out. It's not. It's not a fair shake right now. It's homeowners shouldn't pay five or six thousand dollars more for a roof to be replaced right. coming from an insurance claim versus yeah. calling us just because it needs to be replaced. And that's where it's off right now. And I think that's where that's what's causing a lot of these people to flood this market because there's no regulation because they're making a lot of money. That's right. And that's and to be honest, that's the truth. Yeah. And that's why it's happening. That's why we're seeing more and more of them fleeting to this market because other markets have close the doors, they put strict regulations down and change some laws, and we kind of don't, don't have that right now. Right, Which is, is why the non-regulated trades, yeah. we've talked about many right. times on the show, that you know, Craig the Floor guy, Holly and I are of the opinion that all of our trades should be regulated. 
Yeah. Now, is it frustrating for, for us? No, because we do it correctly, because RoofWorks does their work correctly. Yeah. It's frustrating for the other guys, the guys that are cutting corners. They're not doing what they're sh- they should be doing, and it's leaving a lot of homeowners in a position where they get taken advantage of. If if someone came out and, and inspected every insulation job I did, yeah. we're going to have to be really good at what we do. Yes. Otherwise, it's going to push us out of the industry. Do you have people inspecting your work? New construction. New construction Yeah, if it's new construction or if we're doing crawl space encapsulation, that's a building permit, so that's a capital gain improvement. So depending on the type of job that we're doing, they get inspected. But, you know, Jim, who lives in Raleigh and wants us to come insulate his house that's 20 years old, there's there's no one. No one is going to show up there and verify it was done correctly. Now, I do part of our company when the job is done. I go do the final inspection to ensure it was done properly. But there's not a lot of companies out there that do that. They finish the work. They say, hey, were you happy? Great. Here's the link. Pay. Right. My company sends out an owner to inspect the job to ensure it was done properly. Right. Right. Okay. So that's the best way we could help our homeowners to avoid ever being taken advantage of. Because I have employees... And if I'm not at the job site, I can't guarantee it was done properly. Right. That's why I want to go out there and inspect it. Okay. Non-regulated trades, you need to be very, very careful about who you contract because there's no one coming behind them to check the work. What are the regulated trades? Uh, plumbing, electrical, HVAC. There's nobody, nobody checking drywall. No one cares about drywall or your kitchen. Exciting. Your kitchen remodeling, your siding, your roofing, your right. insulation. I can go down the list. This is why there are nail pops all over my old house. <laughs> they should be using drywall screws. Drywall I think we're, we're into the next, I next know. century. And I, think, um, and I think we can get Rich's insight on this stuff, too. Please, Rich, talk, talk to me about this. You've, your company has created a category for people like RoofWorks so that they can have notice that they're doing it right day in and day out training should we have should we have a license for roofers yes good for you the industry should be regulated uh it's highly regulated in states like florida yep Um, (laughs) yeah but but in, in most of the states roofing is not regulated very well if it is at all um but yeah, so the, the program that we have is education-based. We have a shingle applicator's manual that is kind of the anchor of that program. We also have a shingle technology manual because we feel it's important for the contractor to understand what a shingle is and what it can and cannot do. So yes. it, it basically takes you down to the brass tacks of shingle construction. But these are the resources that we make an attempt to provide to the contractors so that we can help them set themselves apart um, from say just I do good roofs I've been in business a number of years mm-hmm. and then they show you a sample board which looks just like the sample board the guy behind them had yeah so um <laughs> so we do create these programs that try to create somewhat of a um a trust factor to yes. the to the end consumer all right Rich Bechtold of Certainty, thank you very much for being on the show. Also, Holly Bowers from RoofWorks and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. Holly, talk to me about the other things you do. The company does in but 15 seconds here. You got, <laughs> you got sunroofs. Yeah, repair and maintenance, replacement, inspection, skylights, uh, chimney caps. 
How do gutters. we contact gutters, you? Yeah. you? You got a showroom. Where is it? it and is, what's your number? It's uh, 5413 Hillsborough Street, and our phone number is 919-852-2660. And Brock Emmons has 15 seconds to tell me his contact information. TriangleRadiantBarrier.com or 919-986-8808. We've got uh, Rhonda from Help Me Rhonda Interiors coming up next. On WPTF. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. From home repair to remodeling, this is making your home great. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. (laughs) We are live on the air. A wonderful way to be on the radio, right, Rhonda? It's wonderful. Um, the uh, Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors is here. I've just been offered a cup of coffee by somebody who's going to get me the coffee. This is great. It's always good. Something so good about not only getting a free cup of coffee, but getting it from, you know. Somebody making it for you. Delivered on, delivered on the radio. He says, do you want cream? I said, do you have cream? No. no. <laughs> he probably would run out and get you someday. That's just incredible. All right, talk to me about your, your business here. So, you know, help me ride interiors, yes. right? What does that entail? That entails pretty much everything that has to do with home. Yeah. Right? So if you need paint colors, I can do that. If you need your whole house designed, I can do that. If you need a remodel, I got a team that can do that, you know, I, so. We often think of the kitchen and the bath for remodels, but there's remodels all over. Exactly, exactly, and outside. You know, and, I and mean, outside. people really? people want to do their screen porch, right? You know, they want to make that more of a inside outside, you know, type of deal, right? right. Can right. do that. Um, you know, they want want it to be pretty. They want to be outside, and they want it to be a reflection of the inside of their house. So we design those too. If somebody has a porch. And it's got the potential to be screened in. I would just say, go for it. Yes, absolutely. My wife and I have enjoyed the side porch more than we ought to, just because the screen is there. I don't know what it makes. I guess it makes sense. Keeps the bugs out, of course. It helps to keep the bugs out. And a lot of people who have a screen porch are going a step further and doing, you know, the the plexi windows, Ooh, yeah. you know, which are kind of nice, you know, so kind of makes it a three-season room when you do it. Right. And right. it's really, that's really nice too, you know, so you're able to lift them up and still have a screen in them, you know, so there's a there's a whole lot of different things you can do with that as well. Wow. Yeah. All right, Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors. We're talking about anything you want to talk about with your house, 919 860 9783. You say that you're getting phone calls from a lot of people who are out of state? Oh, mercy. We have a lot of people moving in, in, in this area. I don't know what the latest number is, but the last number I heard was there was over 100 families moving into Wake County a day. Good heavens. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they need from you what services? So I think it varies. You know, some people, when they're coming from, like, California or anywhere, really kind of, you know, far away especially, mm-hmm. they're coming and they have nothing. Mm. From what I've heard from everybody, 
you know, if they've had their furniture for a while, yeah. you know, whatever, they said, you know, it's cheaper to just get new furniture than to move something that they've had for 10, 15 years, you right. know. So they're coming, and they really don't have anything but their personal belongings. They really don't have furniture with them. They don't have anything. So that's what they need. First of all, they got to find a house. Yeah. And then once they you know, find the house, they call me, and they're like, okay, we need to fix this house. We need furniture. We need window treatments. We uh, need the whole kit and caboodle, as they can say in the South. And just as a side note, huh? what you're getting are people from California and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Who are looking at our home prices and saying, wow, these are cheap. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, I've had a client, you know, maybe bought $800,000, house, and and they've told me where they were from, it would probably be $4 million. Right. You know, so, you know, four times, you know, the amount. So, you know, they're coming here. Yeah. You know, they've got money in their pocket, you mm-hmm. know, and Amen. they want they want a nice house. They right. they're they want to come here. They're they're moving here for, you know, a reason and mm-hmm. a better place to raise their families is what I hear a lot. Right. Um, you know, a little bit more, you know, urban, yeah. you know, um, or so, you know, the suburb suburbs are a little yeah. bit more suburban. Right. So anyway, it's, you know, just an influx of people. All right. I'm going to try try over the course of this hour to just think about this and try to make some money on them. I'm just, (laughs) I think all of us listening here are saying, Mm -hmm. wow, if somebody would come here with a pocket full of money, let's figure out a way to get get some of that. Right. But Rhonda's going to help people with their own home, whether they're buying it empty. Right. And they're coming in from New Jersey or. Just ready to redo. You know, Mm -hmm. some of us, I honestly have to say it, we're more likely to do renovations on our home than we are to buy another home with interest rates being exactly. I I've got an influx of people calling. Just they're they've decided they're going to stay put. Yeah. Right. And you know, a lot of you know people who are you know getting to the age of retiring. You know, uh, it seems like I get a lot of those that, you know, they've decided, you know, why would I sell my house that's, you know, 2,500, 3,000 square feet Mm -hmm. and move to, you know, a just built, you know, retirement community in 1,800 square foot house and it costs more. You know, does it make sense to them? And it really doesn't make sense, you know, unless, you know, they're having to move to assistant living or something like that. But, you know, so a lot of people are saying, you know, we're just not going to do that. We're going to fix this house to be able to age in place. We love it. It's where we, you know, our kids grew up. Everybody loves it. My grandkids are going to grow up here, you know, all that, you know, so they're, we're what I call upfitting the house to be able to age in place. When you say age in place, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What structurally has to happen? Well, it could include um, adding on uh, maybe a bedroom to the bottom floor if they don't have one. Yeah. Right? Or if that's not feasible because block size or something like that mm-hmm. or budget, you know, we we're adding elevators, you know, really? just in case they need you know need that in the future yes widening doors you know so that heaven forbid if they end up in a wheelchair you know or something like that that we're able to get the wheelchair through the door Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know some of these older homes the doors are not wide enough oh you know for it so in my old home was 
was a normal home. And let's put it this way. It was a normal middle-class home. Right. And I injured my feet and had to be in a wheelchair for a while. And there was no way. Right. I had to tell the doctor, forget it. I, I'm going to stumble around this place because mm-hmm. I can't roll a wheelchair in my bedroom. Right. And expect to turn around and then go into the restroom. I can't do it. Right. Some of them are even hard to even get a, a walker. Right. You know, through. And so, you know, you, you look at those types of things. You know, do we need to widen, you know, the doors at least to be able to have a trail, you know, yeah. to be able to get through the house in a in a decent manner? You know, um, you're thinking about bathrooms. You know, yeah. is it is it tub only? Right. So do we need to rip that tub out and make it a shower? Right. Right. You know, those types of things. So a lot of people are doing it. They're staying put. I've complained about the builder a lot. My builder. Mm-hmm. Um, they put in two tubs. Now, no family of adults <laughs> needs two bathtubs. Not really. Not really. Mm-hmm. One of them needs to be converted into a walk-in yes. shower. Because it, it, you know, somebody, at some point, is going to find that more convenient. Absolutely. I can still step into the tub, but it's a rounded surface. Right. None of that makes sense to me. Right. And adults don't generally, at a certain age, don't generally take baths. Yeah. Any any older people that I have that do still love to take a bath, yeah. we're adding a lot of grab bars so they're able to get up. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, it's just reality. You know, right? you got to have your phone with you. Exactly. Did you call somebody if, you know, you're, you're I'm stuck sure in all the thing. young people listening to this radio show are laughing, but it's true. When it's you get true. older, it's harder to get up out of the tub. It's harder. Your knees get... hurt. Everything hurts. You there know, it's hard a, to get up. There is a, a television commercial about this woman who's selling. Uh, She's talking about uh, financial things, but she's in one of those metal tubs where the athletes soak right, in right. ice. I saw that. She yeah. decides it's too cold, and she gets out of the tub, and she's, it's almost painful right. to watch. That is how I would theoretically get out of a bathtub. Uh, right. You just tumble out and just, just hope tumble you don't out. hurt yourself. You know, so technically, any realtor would tell you that needs to be at least one tub in the house. Right. You know, as long as you got one tub, that's really all you need. All right. Talk to me about grab bars. Since we're going to talk about this segment, is it possible to add grab bars to a traditional shower without removing the shower? Yes. Okay. Right. So it just needs to be professionally done. The the you might not be able to put the grab bar exactly where you would want it because you really do need to hit a stud. You do. Yeah. yeah because it it can't be just put into the wall, you know. But it it can be done for sure. So if done. I'm okay. doing a remodel, yeah. That that is like when everything gets torn out. That's when we decide about grab bars because right. then my contractor will go ahead and do the blocking, you know, of where they're going to go. They're, they're putting so extra a, wood exactly so that they can really attach it. Exactly. You know, the grab bars have got usually like a round surface. Yes. That that goes and the screw holes are in uh, midnight, uh, four o'clock and and eight o'clock right locations. They're in you know. You can't hit the stud with all three screws. Exactly. So you'd have to add extra wood. Yes. And so that's always, you know, a topic of conversation when I'm doing a remodel. Whether you're old, young, it doesn't really matter. You know, because you got to 
think about that, yep. you know, in the future. And you never know. Yeah, mm-hmm. Honestly, you do never know. Exactly. E- even the potential for grab bars, that would be something. Right. Hey, uh, Rhonda, before you close this in. Right. Will you do me a favor and just put that blocking in? Right. And let's remember where the the extra piece of wood is. It's always a pretty standard height, you right. know, for that average, you know, person. And you got to think about, you know, the layout and where it needs to be. Do you need one? Do you need two? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes it's a big space. You need more than one. Right. You know, so it, it it's a, probably a, at least a 15-minute conversation with clients, you know, to figure oh, out what we're going to do. Well, we've had we've had it nearly a 15-minute uh-huh. conversation just on this <laughs> exactly. aging. You know, we, we say aging in place. I don't want people to, who are in their 50s to ignore that topic. Oh, it doesn't need to be Because ignored. injury and illness can hit you, and you want to be prepared. Right. All right. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors. We're going to talk next uh, break here about making your house wonderful okay not just okay just making it wonderful we call it fabulous fabulous (laughs) yes all right we're gonna make it fabulous (laughs) on making your home great fm 98.5 am 680 wptf fm 98.5 am 680 wptf this is making your home great we take people who have great ideas and great companies, and they're experts in their field, and bring them to the radio. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors. Um, so things are good. Things are awesome. But things, you know, people could pick up the phone and call you. Absolutely. And still get some good advice. Absolutely. Yep. We're talking about making your home fabulous. Um, I love that you remembered that day. Fabulous. Uh (laughs) All right, so let's talk about accent walls. Okay. Is that a a, a real decorator term? It is called accent wall. It it can mean so many things. It could be wallpaper on the wall. Yeah. It could be a different paint color. It could be shiplap on the wall. Oh, yeah, shiplap. It could be vertical you know vertical pieces of wood real skinny kind of going up and down on the wall yeah yeah. it could be a wood feature you know that makes a design on the wall it could just be so many different things and you suggest it for what kind of applications yes what kind so in other words if a if a client Mm. is like you know what do you think about doing something on this wall you know I look at the room and I kind of determine will it may if the room is small mm-hmm. sometimes it's not a good idea to do a darker accent wall right, right. sometimes it would be prettier just to do maybe a wood feature and it still be a light color mm-hmm. but so you're adding more like texture versus an intense color mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. if you have a really big room then you can do anything you want to Pretty really? much, yeah. Really? If it's a good wall that you can do an accent on, it's like it's like mm-hmm. honestly, uh, to be honest, it's like skinny people. Right. <laughs> they can wear anything. Pretty much, they yes. can wear anything. It's yeah. the the rest of us normal people have to be very careful. Right. <laughs> so if it's a big room, right? Yeah. Same concept. If Pretty it's much. a big room, you can get away with it's kind of backwards anything. though. If you think about, 
<laughs> the big right. pe- the big rooms get to uh, do anything now. Exactly right. uh-huh. It's backwards. All right. So, so I've decided to put an accent wall, mm-hmm. or I've decided to do something with that wall that right now is all bare. Right. What determines that I go ahead and put a wood feature or a, 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 a what is it a wallpaper? Wallpaper. I think um, for <clears> me. <throat> I am I'm big on listening to the clients. Yeah. I'm big on, you know, what do they like? Um, my job is to make sure that whatever is done is going to look good, you know, a, as a flow in their house, yeah. as a flow into that room and yeah. all that. So it could be that there's more than one thing that will look good. There's mm-hmm. a lot of factors that determine that. The the uh, their budget, mm-hmm. right? How crazy they want to get with it mm-hmm. you know you know obviously the cheapest thing to do is paint it a different color yeah right you know when you start getting into the wallpaper you know and a trim guy coming and doing things and painting it obviously the price tag goes up so it's like how much do you want to spend mm-hmm. would be one of the questions yeah. you know and then figuring out okay what does this room need does it need texture mm-hmm. then you wouldn't paint it Mm-mm. Paint's not going to add a texture. Wallpaper would add a texture. Wood would add a texture. You know, so that's the type of things that you look at. So, and another thing is, are they going to be redoing the room? Are they in the process of remodeling their house? Not mm-hmm. not remodel construction wise, but mm-hmm. just redoing their house. Maybe they they had their furniture for twenty years and they're like, I'm ready to right. you know update my house. Right. Right. You know. So. All of that goes into play. So my job as a designer is to get that plan into play. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's overwhelming for a person who doesn't do what I do. Right. You know, just if, just if you were to start thinking about what you were going to do to your house mm-hmm. and it was 15 years old, most people's head would spin. Yeah. They would be like, I don't even know where to start. Right? right. That's my job. So that's what my consult is about. When I come into your house for the first time and I meet you and I see your house, mm-hmm. you know, that's the type of questions that I ask to a client. You know, what is the plan here? Is it something you, you want to do your whole downstairs and do it all at one time? Yeah. Do you want to do a room at that time? Do you just want window treatments? You know, what is the plan here? Right. What is it that you're wanting to do and so then my job is to say okay well this is the order that we need to go in this is Mm -hmm. what we need to do this is what i need to know in order to do the right thing for you so it's it's a process and my job is to make sure that the homeowner doesn't have to get a headache you know, mm-hmm. figuring it out because I'm going to make it fun. I'm only going to let you think about like when I'm doing new construction with a client, yes. you know, you got all that stuff you have to pick out for a new construction. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't ever let my client get ahead of themselves because then it it, it isn't fun anymore. Because there's, you know, there's at the process of picking out cabinets and they're thinking about lighting. It's not time to do lighting yet. No, it's just not time. I make sure that they do it in the right order so that they enjoy it. And to me, that's very important. When you're trying to think about everything, mm-hmm. then it's not enjoyable anymore. So I keep I keep you focused yeah. <laughs> on yeah, what please. we're doing at that particular time. And I have fa- I've been doing this 28 years. I have found that the clients are a whole lot happier when I do that because right. they're not thinking. And if they start to go that way, I'll be like, Mm-mm, 
We're not going to talk about that yet. We're still picking out your outfit, and you're trying to put on earrings, but right. you're but you're naked. That's what I'll say to them. We haven't even picked out our outfit yet. We can't do earrings. I always get the earrings on first. Right. <laughs> See, this is the thing. All right. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda in Tears is here and thankfully laughing at me. Um, we are talking about your home. If you want to, call us up, 919-860-9783. So when someone has just a granule of an idea, right. they could start with one couch or couch style that they like, mm-hmm. and then you could build on that. Right. Furniture is where you always start. Really? Like in an existing house. If you've built your house and you have got a blank shell, furniture is where you start. Furniture is like your outfit. Right. Right? You can't go and pick out other things when you don't even have your outfit picked out yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people will start with lamps. No. Mm-mm. You don't? No. Can't do that because we don't have your furniture yet. Okay. That your furniture dictates style. It dictates the color of that furniture is going to dictate your colors. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, the way I explain it a lot to people is that even when you're building a house or anything, you always pick the things that you have the less options for first. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. In other words, cabinets. I always do cabinets first. You know why I do cabinets first? Unless you're doing custom cabinets, which the majority of people don't, Yeah. right? Then you only have a few options that you're going to like. Right. Right? No need to go pick out countertops yet because we got to match countertops to the cabinets. Right. Right? So if you don't know your cabinet, you can't pick your countertop. All right, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about the least popular topic on radio, <laughs> color. That's hard. To, we'll talk about it. it. It'll be an interesting conversation with Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda in Tears on Making Your Home Great. Making Your Home Great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Making your home great with Rhonda Benvy Plumber of Help Me Rhonda Interiors. Rhonda, the builder in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. made the uh, the paint selection easy. One color. One color. Which one is it? Yeah, agreeable gray. Uh, agreeable gray. It's is yep. like we're gonna paint the walls either agreeable gray or we'll just leave them sheetrock or white they probably had a white they might have had do. a white but yeah. nobody chose white yeah i didn't get a choice in it we moved in and there's agreeable mm-hmm. gray mm-hmm. when you say accent wall you're not going to tell me to get another shade of gray are you not necessarily agreeable gray is a pretty good neutral gray i mean okay. it's 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 sure. a good color that a lot goes with right so I think, you know, usually with an accent wall, you would probably pick up a color, if you're going to paint an accent wall, you would pick up a color that's in your house. So maybe your house is, you know, blues or greens sure. or whatever. And you could, you know, do something like that. Um, but usually that's what it means. Now, you know, my house, my whole house is like cream and black. My accent walls are black. Oh, they are? They are. Wow. I know. It's kind of cool, actually. You know, because the accent wall that I have it on, you know, one of them just has real pretty drapes on it, so the drapes really pop, right? And the other accent wall that's black is like this real cool, 
you know, TV cabinet that's all wood, like reclaimed wood, you know, and it's just wood shelves there, so the wood really pops. But you know what goes away on that black accent wall? What's that? The TV. You, it just kind of goes away unless it's on. You mean you turn it off and you almost can't see can't it? Can't see it hardly, right? Because like it kind of just goes away. Well, so I do that because I like so many different things that I have to keep my house very, very neutral. You do. Because when you have like cream and black, what doesn't go with it? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything goes with it, right? Yeah. You know, so you can bring in a lot of different artwork colors. You can bring in, you know, the flowers. You know, your holiday stuff all goes with it. Everything yeah. goes with it. This you know? this actually is the builder's reason for putting agreeable gray. Yes. Because nothing would clash with it. Nothing really clashes with it, you know. So there's something to be <clears throat> said for the guts of your house. Yeah. You know, the cabinets, the tile, the paint color, you know, whatever being a very neutral color because it allows you to switch things up and it still look good. Well, the other thing that honestly I think homeowners get too hooked on, especially young homeowners, they think about the next person who's going to buy their house. Mm -hmm. They think, all right, well, you know, I don't want to paint this room a weird color (laughs) because the next guy's going to want it different. Right. I want to talk people out of that. Right. So I think when I am meeting with people and they want to do paint colors, I totally agree with that because yeah. painting's easy, right? If you're, if you just, you know, you made your little girl's room hot pink, do it hot pink. And then if you get ready to sell your house and you're getting a lot of feedback mm-hmm. because somebody, you know, doesn't want to paint it, then just paint it. Yeah. You know, it isn't that big of a deal, right? Um, I do, though, when people are remodeling, I do think that, you know, when you're putting a lot of money, if you, you know, spending $45,000 to redo a master bathroom, right, right, that you need to think about resale. You know, it needs to match your house. It needs to stay. If you're not remodeling everything, Mm -hmm. you need to update, but still keep with the look of your house. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. In other words, some people might have like, you know, um, a very traditional, what I call four-in-a-door house, you know, where you walk in, you got four rooms, right? <laughs> and then they want to go and do their kitchen mid-century modern. No. I no? mean, not unless they're going to change the whole look of their house. Yeah. Right? In, in other words, you still got to update and keep it with the look of your house. You are, or it's just going to be out of mm-hmm. place. It's just not going to look right. The traditional design. Mm-hmm. White trim all over white baseboards agreeable gray <laughs> i got a got a countertop my my countertop happens to be a, a sort of a black mm-hmm. um, notion but that's the only thing that to me stands out right. in my entire house from the manufacturer right we walked into it this is this is what it looked like we can kind of get away with doing almost anything right Including country style, right? Mid-century modern, whatever, whatever my wife chooses, right? And honestly, it's her choice. I can change that. I mean, she can change that. Yes. If you get tired of something, that's that's the great thing about building a house that is kind of mm-hmm. neutral. Yeah. You know, um, it it does. I mean, obviously, everything goes out of style. Everything goes out of out of trend right yeah, yeah. um but it's like if you if you've built something that is just 
kind of just neutral and clean. Yeah. It is very easy to update it. Like cabinets, I mean, you could change the hardware on the cabinets and ha- and it'll look totally different. Yeah. You know, update your faucets, update your lighting, voila, you got a whole new look. Right. You know, so it's almost like the little black dress. Mm. You know, I can take that little black dress or the man can take that black suit, right, right. change the tie, change the shirt, change the jewelry, change the earrings, change the shoes, and it looked totally different. Mm-hmm. A, a woman can make a little black dress look 50 different ways and it totally like a different dress. Wow. Right. You know, so that's the same kind of concept when you're talking about the guts of your home. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Run the Interiors this year. If somebody is searched for a home... And they've reported, wow, you won't believe what these folks did with this house. I've gone through some ugly houses. <laughs> In my price range, apparently, a couple of years back, uh-huh. only so. ugly I've houses some pretty bad ones were available. <laughs> 919-860-9783. If you've got a house that you want to brag about, you saw it and said, yeah, we're not, we're not moving here. I saw a house with... With wallpaper in every room, and it yeah. wasn't really good wallpaper. It was like the older style. Yeah. I don't know whether they put it in 30 years ago. Or they found it on sale and put it in every room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, mm-hmm. Then the, then there were some houses. I had one house that was, it screamed Brady. <laughs> and and when I say Brady, I mean, you know, the the, the Brady Bunch. Yes. They still had the paneling. Mm. They still had yeah. the, it's not knotty wood paneling. Mm-hmm. It's the inexpensive mm-hmm. quarter inch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you can just put your hand right through it. You mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. You know, if my dad had it in the one area of the house where you could push it and it would go in because yes. it was furred out. Yes. And then he put the panels on. These mm-hmm. are very thin things. Yes. And I couldn't stop singing the Brady Bunch. <laughs> now, my parents had a house that had turquoise appliances and paint okay for years after it was cool right right okay that was orange and avocado at my house oh yes yes Mm -hmm. so if somebody's got an old old story about a house and barrel chairs i I kid you not our our dining room table like little kitchen eating table was made out of wine barrels my chairs they were were had like uh orange pleather could you could yes. you move the? Oh, they swiveled and everything at they the table. Swiveled and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I, <laughs> man, I got that song stuck in my head. It's a story. Right. You know, but you, but you see a ranch house. It's funny. The Bradys didn't own a ranch house. It was a split level. It was a split level. Mm-hmm. But I see a ranch house now, and I sometimes think about the Bradys. Yeah. It, their split level looked a little, you know, like ranch, uh, like a it? rectangle yeah. out. Um, all right, 919-860-9783 is the telephone number. Rhonda Benvy Plummer is here from Help Me Rhonda Interiors. What else can you do for us? The better question would say, what can't I do for you? What can't you do? For the home? You can't do a roof, can you? I can't do a roof. I okay. can't add on to your house. You can't? Other, I cannot. Okay. Other than that, I can do anything. Yes, I can remodel. I can finish off a space. There's a lot. If mm-hmm. it gets to the point where we're going to knock out a wall, mm-hmm. you're comfortable with this. Absolutely. You are also the person that we're going to talk to 
if we're tempted to knock out a wall and it's not a good idea. Yes. I get, I get a lot of appointments like that, too. You know, people are like, you know, we, we're thinking about remodeling, but we don't know what we if, you know, uh, what we want to do is going to work. Yeah. Right. So I'll come out, I'll measure and I'll do a new plan. I'll do the floor plan for them. Right. Right. And so when you do that, that's also something that can be turned in for permitting and all of that as well. So they know what you're doing. My daughter bought a house in Raleigh. Uh, really close to Cameron Village, nice house, um, but it's got really small bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And two of the bedrooms, this is a hint to you, mm-hmm. two of the bedrooms are adjacent. Oh, make a big old closet. That Well, the, <laughs> the, the two, two bedrooms are small, uh-huh. but they're next to each other. Right. I'm thinking of suggesting to her. Make it a master with the master take suite. Take out that wall and make a big big bedroom right make a master suite and put it and mm-hmm. put in a restroom with right. a bathroom mm-hmm. in in one one exactly. side of it mm-hmm. a Whoa. lot of people you know so is it you know the one thing that you have to think about you know with that too is our is like how much should you pay for the house and when yes. you're remodeling it yes. obviously taking something from like a four bedroom to the three bedroom hurts but adding but adding a master suite with a bathroom kind of compensates for that. Oh, it does. You know, yeah. so you know, there's there's pros, you know, and cons to some things. It really is a case by case kind of scenario. So you want to be careful before mm-hmm. you do something that permanently cuts down on. Because yeah. some people do. They search for search for a home. They say, oh, I want four bedrooms. Right. When really they don't need four bedrooms. They just want the space. Yes. Exactly. And one big bedroom. I mean, a lot of master mm-hmm. suites from 40 years ago were not all that big. No. We're going big. Mean, now, big. now we're blowing that <laughs> I go right into out. some houses that I swear, like, their master bedroom is, is bigger than, you know, a a two-bedroom apartment. Right. <laughs> Do you right. know they what I'm saying? <laughs> they got a king-size bed, two dressers. A sitting area. And there's a lot yeah. of room. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing stuff. Yes. All right. I, I you know, I, it's funny. I love the concept of redecorating, but I don't want my wife to catch on. Because <laughs> she's going to spend some money. Yeah, she's going to spend yeah. some money. Yeah. Tell you what she does. She goes ahead. She's, she loves country stuff. She has already, already made the switch. To fall. To fall. Uh-huh. She has brought out everything orange. We had a kid come by the other day. He looks around and says, why do you have Halloween up? <laughs> she says, wait, there is not Halloween yet because Halloween's its own season. <laughs> she only has the fall stuff up. Goodness because gracious. fall, Halloween, and then Thanksgiving fall. Yes. Yeah, and then Christmas. Well, yes. Christmas begins the day after Halloween. It's easy to make the transition from fall to Halloween because all you got to do is add a few Halloween things and then yes. just take them down. Yep. And then when it's time for Christmas, you do Christmas. So it's easy. Are people mm-hmm. are people doing what my wife does, which is decorate the house for the season? Oh yeah, rotating things in for and sure. Out. Really? Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. I, you know, everybody likes to, and some people obviously go, you know, a little bit more overboard than some do. I, I can't, don't know anybody like that. Yeah, your uh, your wife is like that. Anybody, I think, yeah. but um, you would think that I would be, 
But, you know, I think when my husband married me, he was like, wow, yeah, decorated my house because he's a big Christmas person, yeah. right? We want our Christmas house to be all decked out. It's like the last thing in the world I want to do when I get to my house. Sure. You know, I mean, you think about it, I'm doing it for everybody else, you know, so decorating my own house sometimes is like a chore. It's like I'm working. <laughs> the, the Christmas season is the high holiday yes. in my house, and it's not a... It's not a week or two months. It's it's just a long, long time coming because, you know, we gradually bring more and more, more things uh, out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Go ahead and rent one of those Christmas specials of uh, like like holiday theme with Rudolph <laughs> and just multiply the, the elves village by five. Yeah. And that's my house. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors on FM 98.5 AM 680. This is making your home great. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Flash flood warning in, a, in effect. I think so. Please be careful. Well, you know, it's odd. The flash flood warning is the one warning that doesn't make any sense. In part because people know that water comes down. And then it accumulates. <laughs> it is, it is a warning, but you already know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, All right. and I think it's so dry right now that it, the water, the grounds are so hard right. that right. it's just really running off instead of soaking in as much on some of these hard rains that are coming through. Rhonda Benvy sure. Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors on making your home great. FM ninety eight five, AM six eighty, WPTF. So we've talked about everything you do. Well, well, just about I think you know furniture is a big thing for me. Yeah, you know talk too. To me about you that. know because um, you know a lot of people don't know that you know I sell furniture. Right. You know I used to have a furniture store in right. Wake Forest, and right. you know I kind of click, but I still have all of those furniture vendors. You're still connected to them, Absolutely. so you can go ahead and order. Exactly. You know, so I have you know very good furniture lines that. You know, and I've got all the fabrics, you know, for the upholstery lines. I've got mm-hmm. all the case goods. I mean, I can get you anything you want. I do window treatments. I sell flooring, you know, uh, LVP flooring. I sell yeah. carpet, you know, tile. Yeah. I mean, everything. You know, so that's appealing to a lot of people because it's like a one-stop shop type of yes. thing. They don't have to worry about it. I bring everything to you where it's important. You know, when you're picking out furniture and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure anybody who's ever gotten one piece of furniture in their life yeah. bought a piece of furniture that didn't fit the way that they thought it would fit. Yeah, everybody. I yeah. don't. I, I'm sure. And so that's part of the process too. I'm going to make sure that whatever furniture we're picking out, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to fit. It's the right layout for the room. The room's going to be balanced. The scale's going to be right. Oh. You know, you can't pick a little bitty sofa. In this big room with 10-foot ceilings, it's not yeah. going to look right, right? If you are a mid-century modern type person and that furniture you like is kind of low, you know, and kind of not tall, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's you have to really overcompensate other things to make up for that look in the houses that are a lot of the new houses around here that are 10-foot ceilings because yeah, yeah. you got this little squatty, you know, sofa, uh, right? And then you've got all of this space. So you have to compensate that with, you know, taller lamps, taller artwork, 
you know, that type of thing. You got to feel in that space. Otherwise, it it's just squat. You might as well not have the 10 foot ceilings because your eye don't even see it. Really? Mm-hmm. I think we have it. We have mm-hmm. a, uh, the cathedral. Right. Ceiling. And honestly, honestly, the, the living room I have does not. It, it has a cathedral ceiling comes to a peak. Right. Every time I look at it, I think I'm in a single white or something like you know. <laughs> I'm think I'm looking at it, and I, I think it just doesn't look right. But my point is, do I need to have really tall things? Yes. Really? Yes. In other words, if you know, an average sofa height yeah. you know, on the back thirty six ish. Yeah. You know, bigger ones thirty eight ish high. Right. That's going to be a good height for a sofa when you've got nine ten foot ceilings. Right. Because okay. you're not going to get one taller. Okay. But a lot of these mid century moderns, I mean, they're like twenty eight thirty high. That's that's squatty. You yes. know, so you got to make sure that what you're putting on the walls and what you're filling in space with, you know, is the right scale. Maybe the light fixture that's hanging in that cathedral ceiling yes. is overly big to compensate. Oh. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. You, it's all about scale, scale and balance. And that's that's making sure that the room is evenly distributed. Yes. That's balance. Yes. And that the scale of things work for the space hmm yeah none of which makes any sense to me. <laughs> no no that's I mean, why i does. have a job that's, that's why, why i have, have a job, job. This that's is, right. this is, so what are the other things that people should keep an eye on faux pas shall we say mistakes for those of us who remember you know didn't take french right faux pas that people make with with their homes i think obviously scale is probably the number one thing it is. I, it is the number one thing. I'll go into people's houses and I'll, I'll be like, oh, Lord. You know, because it's like, imagine you've got, have you ever gone into anybody's house mm-hmm. and they had this six, well, let's just say a whole big wall, like let's say the space behind the sofa, for instance. Sure. Sure. So an average sofa is seven feet long, you know, eight, about 84 inches. All right. And they had this little bitty picture behind the sofa yeah maybe it's like 24 by 24 shouldn't have that huh it like gives me anxiety but it's but it's a picture of grandma and i want it there but and but we need to put it somewhere else or we need to find more pictures of grandma and make a you know a collage or something because yeah it's in this in design it's called the two-thirds rule when you have a space at least two-thirds of that space needs to be filled for mm. the scale to be right. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah, yeah. if you have a six-foot wall, mm-hmm. then it means that whatever artwork that you put on it needs to be at least four foot wide. Mm. Right? Two-thirds of that space needs to be filled. It doesn't mean it has to be one picture. It could be three pictures. It could be six pictures. It could be whatever. But that space needs to be filled in right. in some form or capacity for that scale of that wall to be correct now i know a lady who shall remain <laughs> nameless who has the nine tenths rule right <laughs> and the nine tenths rule indicates that if not every square foot of the wall is filled in right we got to go get some you can do too much you can yes. but i'd rather see too much than not enough quite honestly Really? Yeah, because you know when you've got a big wall and then you got this little dinky picture on it, it, it like I want to just go jerk it off the wall. 
yeah. mean, seriously, it, it almost gives me anxiety almost, you know. It does. Yes. Yeah, it's just not right. Like if I go into like a restaurant, you know, or something, and they got this little bitty picture on this big old wall, I just really want to go take it down. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'd rather just see nothing than it not to be right. The, the scale right. needs to be right. So scale is a big, big thing for me. Okay. You know, another another one that people get wrong is lamps. Mm-hmm. They wonder why that little bitty, you know, 12-inch tall lamp that they got on their bedside doesn't put any light out. That's because it's lighting up the nightstand. Right. That's all it's doing. Right. So you have to think about the height of your lamps in comparison to your bed, the artwork over the bed, and all of that. Quite honestly, in a nine-foot ceiling, mm-hmm. most of your bedside lamps should be a minimum, minimum of 30 inches tall. They, most of them need to be more like 36, depending on the height of your bed. And so that puts not only light into the room, but it also puts light to you if you're laying in the bed reading and, you know, reading. Yes. Nobody lays in bed and reads anymore. I, I Rhonda, know. I'm just telling you. I know. You. I wish I wish people did, though. Wouldn't yeah, that be nice? I understand. I, understand. I wish <laughs> I did, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'm, it would be nice. I, say, I don't sit in the bed and read either. I, I sit in the bed and watch TV sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the shine from the lamp has got to yeah. not you, shine you on turn the TV. It, yeah, you would turn it off. I would yes. turn The, um... The other thing that I uh, I guess I should complain about are these Edison lights. Do you like these exposed wire bulbs where it's extraordinarily bright? So LED yeah, Edison okay. bulbs. So when the you know when they decided they were going to get a uh, go you know quit using our regular bulbs that we grew up with, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were like had all these LED bulbs that was going out. I was just like, my head was spinning. I, I knew what mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. you know, for others. So I actually, like, got a lesson on lighting from mm-hmm. my electrician yeah. about the LED. So I learned a lot about it and I know, you know, good lighting now. So if you go to, like, Home Depot, Lowe's, or anything like that, they literally have two two bulbs. Right. They have what they call a 2700 Kelvin. Yeah which is more of a yellow light, and yeah. then they have a, like a four or 5,000 Kelvin, which is like hospital. I want something like in blue. between. Yeah. yeah. So you need that something in between, and that's 3,000 Kelvins. 3,000 Kelvins. It's the perfect light. All right. Just remember that from today's show. If you don't remember anything else. 3,000 Kelvin. 3,000 Kelvin. You can't go by watts anymore. You can't go by watts. It just, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. All right. Rhonda Benvy Plummer of Help Me Rhonda Interiors. How do we contact you? 919-263-9054. And the website is helpmerondainteriors.com. Wonderful pictures there. Thank you. Thank you. Rhonda Benvy Plummer, this is Making Your Home Great.